You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. And for college football solutions that fit your life, the Doddfather can. I think that's the best nickname. I love nicknames, and I love wordplay. Dennis Dodd as the Doddfather might be the single best nickname I've ever heard in my entire life. Dennis, college football expert, guru, aficionado, newsbreaker, insight maker for CBS Sports, joining us now. Hello, Doddfather. Dennis, that's such a good name, bro. That came from, Bill, that came from Nick Costos, who I think has his own show, used to be with CBS. He does, but yeah. Yeah, Beck Yeah, just threw it out there one day, and who might have seen it? I, Costos is such a great yeah that tracks because Costos has got a skill for that Dennis Dodd uh, hey we let me ask you this uh, let's lean into the pain and suffering of, of the guys working on the show uh, Pat Boyle's producing today very talented radio host and young producer and I didn't realize he's a Notre Dame fan and there's just there's pain in his eyes physical pain I could see when I asked him about his football team obviously a brutal beginning to the season they played Ohio State really tough but there's no excuse for Marshall if you were to step back, Dennis, which you can do, and you looked at, at this Notre Dame season and maybe even the next two or three proje- projected seasons, what is the outlook for Notre Dame football? Uh, well, they, they could be two and four really quick, given the, uh, given the schedule that they have. Um, the outlook, you know, I, I think it's up in the air. Saying, you know, Notre Dame hired another coach without um, head coaching experience. We know the, the history of that practice at Notre Dame. That being said, Marcus Freeman did everything right from the day he got the job. The players loved him. Um, he related to them and recruited a lot of them. Uh, and he lost his first game at Fiesta Bowl. Biggest comeback in Oklahoma State history. Okay, you're willing to write that up. He was, he was an emergency coach at that point. Then they, they showed well against Ohio State. Uh, the effort was there. You, know, you expected Ohio State to win, but it was a struggle. But Marshall's inexcusable. The same way App State's inexcusable at Texas A&M. And how do you not get ready for that game at home? So if that's the standard right now, you know, when you look at Cal this week, is Cal better than Marshall? I don't know. Uh, at North Carolina, who's averaging 50 points a game or something like that. BYU in Las Vegas, Stanford at home, uh, who just got routed by USC, but still is Stanford. You can see two and four, two and five coming up really quick. Wow, that is that would be a brutal beginning. Talking to uh, Dennis Dodd here on the show, uh, you referenced Freeman needing to be an emergency fill, and that's because uh, Brian Kelly, Dennis, who you don't have to comment on this. We may have called Lion Kelly for months on this show instead. Obviously went to, to LSU. Not a great beginning for 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 him, uh, but but we can overreact. We can overreact to single games. We can overreact to single situations. What is your perspective on LSU? Let's just say this season and the next couple seasons. Uh, look again, again another snapshot in the moment. I visited Brian Kelly in the off season, and again, same with uh, Marcus Freeman. Thought he had had the thing wired. He understood. Uh, the SEC, but there are people who understand the SEC who do, have no idea that LSU just takes it to another level within that little uh, confine. And, and it does. And you saw some of that when they lost to Florida State. It, it couldn't even wait one game. 
and they're already trashing Brian Kelly. Um, and it was, look, it was, it was an unacceptable effort to block kicks, the lack of discipline, because that's what Brian Kelly kept preaching coming in, accountability and, you know, and discipline. That, those were his two words coming in. There was going to be no more of this stuff under uh, Ed Orgeron. Well, that's exactly what they did. Um, and then, you know, then they get injuries, and they're in trouble. They should have won the game. Uh, good effort coming back from 24 to 10. But the extra, oh, my goodness. And, and LSU has a pretty long history of, of kickers, of, of really good kickers. So now they just got to get out of it, get back, get back to winning. They weren't going to be very good this year. I think the over-under in Vegas, maybe seven and a half. Uh, but, you know, they, they should have won that. Dennis Dodd here on the show. Dennis, I can't remember, and I should, I apologize, if we've had you on since the college football playoff news. But either way, I'm I'm all here for it. Do you yeah. like the idea of what the college football playoff would mean, let's say for this season, if it were in place now instead of a, a couple years from now, as we expect? Yeah, I, I do, because it pretty much gets everybody's nose under the tent. You know, if we had the playoff now, we'd be talking, or the expanded playoff, we'd be talking a lot this week about a Sunbelt team. You know, we saw what those three Sunbelt teams did did uh, on Saturday. App State, Texas A&M, Georgia Southern. They, you know, the, the winner of that league might be able to snag one of those six at-large spots in the 12-team bracket. And that's what, as I wrote at the time, I think that's what college football has been missing intentionally over the years of the Cinderella factor. It, it was geared towards the big boys. We know 12 out of the last 16 years, the SEC has won it. Um, all the money flows there. But unlike the tournament, it lost. It didn't have that Cinderella factor. This will give it that. Even if these teams just make it. Nobody's talking about winning it all. Because, Bill, there are, team, there are coaches in basketball who have coached for 20 years at a place because they've been able to hang five yeah, we made the NCAA tournament game. Um, I think that's what's going to happen in college football. You know, you hang one of those things, CFP participants. That can sustain you for a long time. There's nothing wrong with that, um, getting to that standard. There will be upsets. You know, there'll be, there'll be upsets in that, in that 12-team bracket, but the same teams will still win. And I don't think anybody's kidding each other. But I agree with Bob Bowlesby, the, the old Big 12 commissioner, who said on November 1st, uh, we'll be talking about 30 to 35 teams and, and I do believe that. I think that's good. Dennis Dodd here on, on the show. Dennis, I am not a Nebraska football fan, but I grew up in Iowa and went to school in Missouri, and so I have a lot of family yep. members who are from Nebraska, and I had a lot of respect for that program. You know, In my formative years, Nebraska was dominant, just utterly dominant. I, I wrote about Tom Osborne a lot when I worked at the Kansas City Star in the city that, that, that you're living in. Um, obviously great tradition. Scott Frost is no longer there. He, he failed. Where does that program in the modern landscape of college football go from here? Yeah, I, I wrote that Monday. Um, you know, if, if Scott Frost doesn't work out, then who? You know, there, there's somebody out there who will, will get it going to, to national championship you know, contention every year. I don't know. But there's a person out there who can do it. It's just that it's almost unfortunate. Because like Scott Frost, native son, um, national champion, knows the landscape, young, um, knew everything about the Nebraska. Not only failed, but failed miserably. The only cop is Jim Harbaugh. And until last year, the worst thing about him was, you know, he was not beating Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State regularly. 
but he was still winning 10 every now and then. His percentage is really good. And then finally he broke through. But it's just, as I wrote Monday, I just think Nebraska, when it went to the Big Ten, uh, completely lost its identity. It lost what Nebraska was. And I'm not suggesting it goes back to the Big 12 because the money's the money. But, you know, it's, it's a Western outpost in a league that's centered now in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Set, the average 17-year-old recruit doesn't know Tom Osborne from Ozzy Osborne. It's going to have to take a Herculean effort for someone to go in there a developmental program on a level with Kansas State, Chris Klein, and Iowa State, Matt Campbell, to get it going again. But it's not going to be a quick turn because, as I was just reminded, I forgot about this. It's one thing to get intention, contention for the Big Ten West. Guess what? The Big Ten's going to one division, as all conferences are, so they can develop depth for the playoff. You're literally talking about Nebraska getting to the Big Ten championship game in the future, being in the same uh, space with Michigan and Ohio State because those are the two schools that are going to be at the top competing for it. Before you're talking about beating Iowa, Wisconsin. Now you're talking about beating those teams just to get into the top two. So it's going to be hard. Dennis, Alabama, they won, but it, but it was closer than maybe a lot of people expected against Texas. 2019 was the final score. Did that game tell you more about Alabama football this year or about Texas football? Well, there are really three things. Uh, I think it's a lot to take from Texas efforts. Um, that Steve Sarkeesian is a master play caller. Gary Patterson, uh, as an analyst, had a heavy hand in developing that game plan, and he was great. Number two, I think Alabama was exposed. They've got weaknesses. they got weaknesses. Corner, offensive line. They, at least what I see, they don't have the game-breaking receiver uh, anymore, and they haven't had that in years. Um, Jamison Williams went down against Georgia last year in the championship game. We saw what that looked like. That's what it looked like when Alabama was down 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And that leads me to my, my third point. As long as you got Bryce Young, you got a chance. You, you can literally write into a playoff spot because this wasn't one of his best games. Alabama was completely undisciplined on the road with 15 penalties. But when it counted, in the fourth quarter, 15 of 19 with a touchdown, and he ducked that linebacker. I think on the game-winning drive, I think. He ducked that linebacker. There are not too many guys in the country that can sense that and then ran around the right edge for about 20 yards to set up the field goal. That was amazing. And I, I would submit the biggest play he made was not getting tackled in the end zone for that safety at the time. It was 10-10, and the walls were closing in. He somehow flung that ball, which if it hadn't hit, hit the defender's helmet, would have been a safe because it didn't cross the line of scrimmage. But it hit the helmet, which makes it no different than a guy batting it down. I think that was the biggest play of the game for Alabama. Dennis Dodd here, here on the show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm, I'm Bill Ryder. Dennis, um, there are, I mean, it's early. I, I totally get we're a couple games into the season. But there are some. There are still some big names: Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC. Uh, Oklahoma State fans might want to include themselves in that group, who are atop the rankings, who are undefeated. How many teams do you think reasonably have a have a good shot, a strong shot at finishing that top four and playing in the college football playoff at the end of the year? I, I had a hard time coming up with the fourth in the beginning of the season, with because you had a slot in Ohio State. 
Alabama and Georgia. But I think all those teams that you mentioned virtually are in contention. I'm really interested in USC. Um, they're in a conference. If the turnaround is real, and it looks like it is right now, in one season, you can win the Pac-12, and their toughest game is at Utah. That's going to be tough. Um, but they look like they can, uh, they can make a move. Oklahoma State played for the championship in the Big 12 last year. They should have won it. They, they couldn't get in from two yards out before snaps at Baylor. Um, so I, I think all those things, in the teams you mentioned, Michigan certainly has proved that it's very, very good. Um, and now they go to the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. So I think it's going to be really interesting for, those four, for that fourth spot. Dennis Dodd hanging out here on the show. Uh, Dennis, last one, last one for you, and I, you sort of hit on this a little bit, but I want to circle. I want to specifically get into Clemson, who I think it's fair to say had a, had a down year last year, a severe down year based on oh, the yeah. standards of that program. Knowing what you know now, haven't seen a couple games, to what degree do you think last year was a strict anomaly and Clemson of the next three, two, three, four, five years is, is the Clemson of the five that preceded last season? Well, I think that's the question. Was it an anomaly? Or, or is, you know, it, there's that. Does the dynasty continue at uh, Clemson and their outside factors? Miami isn't going away. Pittsburgh isn't going away. The conference is better. Wake can take you out on any given Saturday. Um, DJ Uangalele, you know, still, I mean, obviously, what are they, they played Furman? Okay, great. I, I just, I don't even pay attention to that game because it doesn't really show, you know, doesn't, doesn't further the conversation. Um, you know, they've got Cade Klubnik, the new freshman coming in. Is he going to get the job eventually? It don't look like they run the ball very good. So from what I've seen early, um, it kind of flogged through Georgia Tech in that Monday night game, Labor Day, and then, you know, put the hammer down. I need to see a team, because, because of the standards set by Clemson, that is in the same conference mentioned Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I don't see it yet. It may be there, but if it isn't, and we're talking about a standard where they go 10-2 and two and they're out of the playoffs. Okay, now that's two years in a row. I got questions. So, again, it's a standard that, that Clemson has set. Let's see if they meet it. Dennis Dodd, as always, buddy, I love having you on the show. Appreciate the insight. Thank you very much for, for making the time. All right, you got it, Phil. Thanks. Thank you, buddy. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports here on the program, talking some some college football with us. We've got buy or sell headlines from around sports and a take on each one with Pastor Bogus next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you, along with Pat Boyle filling in for D-Cell and the one and only Andrew Ryan Bogish. I got you, buddy. I only know middle names of the people that I really care about. I mean, take Thomas Who Cares to Celestino. I don't know what that guy's middle name is. Do you? Can you hear me blushing on the radio? Is that possible? I can see you blushing. Thank on you. The, on the Zoom. All right, so so you're going to do a little buy or sell today. Are you excited? I'm always excited, always nervous. I need to do this justice because my good friend, the uber-talented Tom D. Celestino, has basically perfected this segment. So I can't match it, but I've just got to be in the neighborhood of what D. Cell daily produces. Here's a fun bonus. Um, 
Pat put it together today. I think Kevin Wall put it together last few times you uh you, you read by yourself. Why don't we go through it and then you can they're both great. It's like ranking Georgia versus Alabama. We can figure out who you think did a better job on the script. Uh, I'll sign up for that, sure. All right, let's get into by ourselves. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. Man, it is hard to ignore this segment when you're the host of it. Uh, Let us begin in Detroit, (laughs) shall we? After 24 straight games as an underdog, the Detroit Lions are finally favored to win a game. DraftKings currently has them as a a 2.5-point favorite at home against the Washington Commanders. The Lions coming off a three-point win over the Eagles at home, a game in which they trailed, or excuse me, no, they lost to the Eagles. I can't read. A game in which they trailed 31-14 at one point. Up oppositely, Washington's coming off a 28-22 win at home over Jacksonville, where Carson Wentz threw for 313 and more than one touchdown. Buy or sell, the Lions should be the favorites in this game on Sunday at 1 Eastern. You know I'm Team Dan Campbell. Let's buy that. Come buy. on. Bite off some kneecaps. That's a good start, by the way. That's a good buy or sell start. Yes, and the, me not reading well is on me. The script was not the problem. The reader was. So my apologies to Cell and to Pat Boyle. Have you seen the movie The Reader? I don't know what that movie is. I think it's it's got is it Kate Blanchett? Somebody looks like Kate Blanchett, and I believe there's some there's some uh, there's, there's a young guy and she's seduced. I don't know. I haven't seen. It. I've seen the trailer. My wife really likes it. Oh, it hasn't come out yet. No, it's out. It was out ten years ago. It's a classic, apparently. Oh, okay. Don't worry about it. It was a bad reference. No, I'm moving on. Question. It was dumb. You take charge. Thank you. It's Kate Winslet, by the way, not Kate Blanchett. Oh yeah, it was you the... got the Kate Letts, but it was Ooh. Wins. Pat, have you seen it, or is that just a little Google poll? No, that was a Google poll. I have no idea what that movie is. Got it. It's supposed to be very good. Uh, So, again, buy or sell, should the Lions be the favorite of this game? Buy. I thought I did it. Buy. Buy. Yes, yes. This is, again, me, I think. This might be wishful thinking. I, I want Detroit. I got a bunch of friends from Detroit. I feel bad for Jared Goff. I like Dan Campbell. I want to be able to play the bite their kneecaps off drop all the time in a different context. I'm in. And they they played a good week one football game. I mean, they they play hard for that guy. Yesterday, Chiefs coach Andy Reid blamed the turf in Arizona for injuries to cornerback Trent McDuffie and kicker Harrison Butker, saying the Cardinals facility staff resodded State Farm Stadium and it caused the turf to be loose. We have seen and heard of multiple issues with injuries and crappy turf in the past with MetLife Stadium where the Jets and Giants play, and of course with just the overall state of the grass at Soldier Field. Buy or sell Andy Reid's notion of blaming the turf in Arizona for injuries to his players. Tough one because the the fine folks who are in charge of the turf, in charge of that stadium, did you see this put out a statement this morning? Very angry. We we are rated the highest NFL Players Association rating. It's been checked before or after. But I don't know, guys. Does it doesn't Andy Reid strike you as a dude who doesn't make excuses? Well, also too, there's a and I think that a guest said this to you yesterday, or I think so. It's not excuses; it's reality. Like so, yeah, it, it right. sometimes it, you know things, other things cause you to do things or things to happen to you. So it's not. I mean, if it's true, then it sucks. If it's true. It's true. Right. And the Ravens are the same thing about their knee injuries that. At MetLife Stadium, they complained about that too. That 
that it didn't give and a guy's foot got caught and he has a torn ACL now. I'd say if the, if the kicker's getting hurt, then there's something wrong with the turf because how, is he getting hurt normally just kicking the ball? You know, yep. Bucker gets hurt. What was it, on the kickoff or on the on the first extra point? So I, I agree with Andy. That's a group bye. Bye. Well, you got on Andy. You guys are on. No, no, he meant Andy Reid. Oh, I thought you meant Andy. No, no, no. Andy Bogues? No. I got meant... really excited that you were Andy Bogues. That's no. Bogus's alter ego. He's uh, in a leather jacket ripping heaters. I'm Andy Bogues. <laughs> That's what I do at night before I come here. Two sides of the coin. That's the opposite side of the youth pastor coin. Right. That Monday through Wednesday, youth pastor. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Look out for Andy. Uh, Hall of Fame tight end. Former Falcons teammate Tony Gonzalez recently said that Matt Ryan's goal and purpose of going to the Colts was to win a Super Bowl and that Matt thinks the Colts are a team that can take him there. Matt Ryan also said, quote, at this stage of my career, that's what I'm in it for, end quote. His Colts had to erase a 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter in Houston Sunday just to split a 2020 tie. And now this weekend, they're back in their house of horrors, Jacksonville, where the Jaguars denied them a playoff spot in the final week last season. Buy or sell, Matt Ryan can win a Super Bowl with the Colts. Ooh. I mean, I want it to be so. The AFC is brutal. Sell. Sell. I'd like it to be true. Let me ask you guys this question. Buy or sell, you think the Browns have a better chance at a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson's return, based on whatever you think their record will be when he comes back, than than the Colts? That's a really good question. This season in general or for the next, like, two? This season, I would say... Ooh, that is a good one. That is a good one. I'd say the Browns have a better shot. I just, I'm not that high on Matt Ryan. I think he's peaked. I think he's well past his best years. Yeah, I think the Browns are the better team. I just don't know what they're going to be after 11 games when Deshaun comes back, how much he has to rescue them from. Are they six and five? Right. Four, yeah. The problem is, I think in general, for both teams, what you said at the very beginning, if they were in the NFC, this is a very different conversation. But in the AFC, they're not the Bills. They're not the Chiefs. And I don't even know if the Browns are the Ravens or whoever else, or the Bengals. I think the Chargers are on. Oh, yeah, and the Bengals, despite Burrow's five turnovers over the weekend. Yeah. And that, yeah, and I think I'm with you guys. And if you're not clearly better than the Browns, given the weirdness of their season this year, you're not. I think the Browns are the, are the minimum line, right? If you draw a line, you're barely a Super Bowl contender. And that's only if everything goes right. They keep their head above water. And Deshaun Watson comes back and plays like Deshaun Watson. Maybe you're a, a long shot Super Bowl contender. If you're below that, and I think the Colts are, probably not winning the Super Bowl this year. All right, let's do some baseball. After losing the division on the final day of last season, the Dodgers left no doubt this time. Last night, they beat the Diamondbacks to clinch their ninth NL West title in the last 10 years. They are firm favorites to get to the World Series for the first time since they won it two years ago. Standing in their way will be the Braves, the Mets, and the Cardinals. Buy or sell the Dodgers winning the NL pennant and getting back to the World Series. Oh, man. I mean, I this is actually not as easy as it seems because the Atlanta Braves have been on a, a pretty long sample size tear that is very similar game projection-wise to what the Dodgers are probably going to win number of games are going to win this year. The Braves are really good. And the Mets, I mean, Bogus, do you want to, where do you want to put me on the Mets? 
degree of difficulty that they present. Well, I mean, the Mets with Scherzer and DeGrom, they are an issue for everybody. But that's it. Scherzer is on the IL right now, and DeGrom is still being kind of slowly re released into the sports wild coming off his basically entire year absence. And maybe give me a percentage just, give me a percentage odds that both those guys are able to pitch, you know, a full whatever, six, seven innings over the course of an entire playoffs. Uh, I still think that's the most likely scenario. Okay. I really do. Like 75, 80%. Okay. But don't forget like even Scherzer, the last time we saw him in the postseason, he had to skip a start. Because yeah. he was tired. So, like, there's there's also just that, too. Like, they'll be there, but will they be, like, peak them is the question to me. So, I mean, look, the Dodgers are the favorite, right? Of course. Yeah. But if it's, if it's the Dodgers, if the question is by them winning the pennant, which is them against the field, it's a great question. I'm going to slightly sell, actually. Sell. As in, it's it's marginal, but I just I I think I mean the Braves are have played great baseball over a sixty five game or whatever it is run, and you m- noted that if you if you if the Mets if you catch the Mets and you catch the Mets where those two guys can go out and do their thing, Degrom and Scherzer, that's the Mets can beat anybody. It doesn't matter who they're playing. I think the Dodgers win, but I think it's really. Really close. Either of you want to ride for for the the certainty of the Dodgers because I won't be mad at you. I get it. Well, let's just talk against them for a second without the Braves or the Mets. So, as ridiculous as they've been, they're fifty games over five hundred. I think they've got some questions in the postseason. Walker Bueller is not coming back. That they don't feel that now, but they're going to feel that in a series where he's not making two starts. They'll tell you they're deep pitching wise, but I'm with you. Well, and that's that's and that's the follow up. If you want to trust Tony Gonsolin. Right. And Tyler Anderson in the postseason, when they are basically unknowns in those scenarios, that's okay. Dustin Mays, the stud of the group now on paper, but he's got a cap on him coming back from an injury. I do love Dustin. He's got such a long right. arm, though. Sure, but but how yeah. much Dustin May are you going to get per start in the postseason? Not a lot. And I and- saw them at City Field a couple weeks ago when the Mets took two of three, and they had two sloppy games they need somebody to kind of rough them up a little bit in that first series to get them primed for the rest of the way because they've been on cruise control since July, basically. So I worry about them being able to actually kind of... They haven't played an important game in a long time, and they're not going to for another whole month still, and that concerns me a little bit. I not to, Oh, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say, and Bogues, to follow up on your point, Gonsolin, he's not 100% either. He's right. got the right forearm strain. He's been on the IL for a couple of weeks so their rotation without Bueller one is tough enough to get by and two without Gonsolin. I agree. I think it's the Braves or the Mets. I honestly think the Dodgers are going to lose in the NLDS if they have to play either one of them. Wow. And then I think it's the Mets. I, I still think it's the Mets just because of what Bogues said. Scherzer, DeGrom, if they're healthy, four times in a seven-game series, nobody's beating that. That I, I like the boldness of that because part of what's interesting about the Dodgers, and I'm obviously around a bunch of Dodgers fans. i got buddies in this the business we're in, we're all Dodgers fans. What they'll tell you is their offense is good enough to make up the difference. But ask the Twins during those runs they kept losing to the Yankees what it's like if your offense is almost historically great, but you don't have the pitching. And I'm, I don't know if the Dodgers offense is good enough to, to be the exception to that rule that you have to have pitching in the postseason. It, it might be. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that that works.
After their week one in Detroit, the Eagles became the betting favorites to win the NFC East. Couple that with Dak Prescott's injury, and it seems Philly's a good pick to win the division for the first time since 2019. However, their odds haven't swung as dramatically as you may have thought. Preseason, the Eagles were plus 140 on DraftKings to win the division. Now they're minus 150. Buy or sell, anybody else could win the NFC East this year instead of the Eagles. Can I first just sell myself as a smart person? Just can you put sell. Because I do this all. I wrote down a bunch of bets I was going to make, and one of them was the Eagles to win that division before. And I just didn't play like an idiot. I didn't place the bet. Yeah, I mean, sell anyone else can win the division. It's sell. The win the division. Do you want? What do you? I mean, are you? Oh, come on. No, 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 no. I'm just hearing all of the idiot Giant fans who, because they played one good thought, half in Tennessee. I thought you were going to be that fan. No, no, no. And now they've got your Bears and a Dakless Cowboy team and some other crap team coming up. People think they can Panthers, be the Panthers. Sunday. Right. That's this yeah. weekend. People think the Giants can be 4-0 when we get to October. The thing is, if they're not, they're not They're not a good team. I mean, you, no, ha- they're not a good you team. have to be 4-0. Right. The Bears are terrible. Yes, if the Eagles don't win this division, especially if Dak is out longer than yeah. Jerry Jones is demanding he be out, then shame on all of them. Look, I, I think Jalen Hurts is a really interesting story and a really interesting, I'm not sure it's a question, question mark for what he can be, but I, I, I think he's more than capable of being by far the best quarterback in that division, even when Dak's healthy. I'm not a Dak guy, man. I, I Dak, Dak's not a winner. Dak is a... Dak is a less ridiculed version of Kirk Cousins. Ooh. All right. Yeah, I'm listening. I went, there. I went there. I like that. He. I understand why they had to pay him. I understand they had no choice. But Dak is just not. He's just not. He's not that guy. I don't. But is it their fault or his fault? Yes. I, I think it's like, again, I think the Cowboys get such a pass the Browns have made a history of ruining quarterbacks, and and you brought a you brought a Brady Quinn earlier, Pat, as a guy that you really like loved as a fan, as a Notre Dame fan. And Brady's a friend of mine, and we should have him on the show sometime when you're when you're when you're filling in. Like I love Brady; he's a great human being. He's a great guy. He said this on and off the air. I don't think I'm being disparaging. He'll tell you that he would have had a better career if he hadn't been a Brown. Right? Browns have said, yeah. But it doesn't change the reality for, for Brady or, or Baker Mayfield or anybody else, right? Like, it's both. I think a team can ruin a quarterback or, or, or diminish a quarterback, but it doesn't – it is what it is. And to yeah. answer your question, Bogus, I think it's both. Well, and I think Dak also suffers from the expectations the Cowboys create. It makes us assume they're supposed yes. to be better. So when they're not, then you start looking for people to blame, whereas in a different scenario, same, same roster yes. – but less kind of PR machine around them, yes. you might be going, thank God they've got Dak, or they'd be even worse. So I'll say this is one more shot at Dak, or one more reason I doubt Dak. The window was several years ago when they had by far the best offensive line in football, and a young running back in Ezekiel Elliott who could take advantage of that line. I mean, Dak had so much time and so much space and so much opportunity. They don't, I mean, running backs get chewed up quickly with all respect to Zeke, and the offensive line's not what it, what it used to be. And so that, like, that I think is part of the reason we see him the way we did too is because he had all these weapons, and that helps a quarterback. He's, he's fine, but he's not. He ain't a top-ten QB in the National Football League, and he's not going to be. 
All right, last one. In the latest AP Top 25 poll, Georgia jumped Alabama after Texas nearly pulled off that stunning upset over the Tide back on Saturday in Austin. If Alabama goes undefeated in the regular season and loses a potential SEC title game to Georgia, it would probably still be enough to keep them in the college football playoff. However, a regular season loss would likely doom Alabama's postseason chances. Buy or sell Bama missing the college football playoff this season. I believe in um, death. I believe in taxes. I believe in Bogish's two sides, the Andy side and the Pastor Bogish side. And I believe in Nick Saban. So I will sell Alabama missing the college football playoff. Sell. If Nick Saban called you up and said, I I need you to come to to the national championship game. I need you, Bogue. Bogues, would you go as Andy or as Pastor Bogish? Uh, for for Sabes, it'd be Pastor Bogish. For Sabes, you yeah. would. Okay. He doesn't after want Andy. Part, he doesn't want Andy Bogues around. After party, you might you know pull a pull a, a Superman and, and, and sort of all bets are off. Put the cape on. Yeah, after the natty, you got to be Andy. <laughs> I mean, this is this is pure pure gold. All right, uh, buyers. Look, I know it's hard. To compare two really talented young guys at the place, but but that's sports, man. We we compare people. Georgia's one, Bama's two. Deal with it. Uh, buy or sell that that Pat's buy or sell script outperformed Kevin's. Um, I will very delicately buy that. Buy declaring Pat a Scotty Pippen to Tom D. Celestino's Michael Jordan when it comes to buy or sell. It felt like Kevin Wall was trying to trick me with a couple of like little landmines in his questions recently. I don't, unless I missed it, I don't think Pat tried that this time on me, so I appreciate that. Pat, I like I like puns. So you really, Bogus, you really boiled that down. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I get a pat on the back? And Bye. <laughs> I can't believe... This is why you're your genius. You Thank said you. the first one yeah. so you could say the second. I set it up. It was a little little one-two. <sighs> playing chess. We're playing checkers. Pastor Bogus is shocked, but Andy Bogus is like, whatever, bro. Pass me a natty. <laughs> Andy Bogus care. just punched you for your dumb pun. <laughs> 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 All right, let's... <laughs> oh, it's so true. Uh, I have like a ghost injury. I can feel it a little bit on my face. Let's get into uh, let's get into Tom Brady's personal life. Why not? You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. I just got some breaking news. I just got some insight. Sources tell me... Pat Boyle's got some tennis skills. Oh, might have to have a little rivalry when I come to town. Where where would we play if I brought my racket? I'm in New York maybe ten weeks a year for work. Where would we go? Like, what's the move in New York City? So I live in Hoboken, in New Jersey, right across the Hudson River. Fifteen, yep. not even a fifteen minute drive without traffic. But you know, you put an asterisk next to that. There's there's plenty of courts there. Uh, New York, I know there's a ton of courts, so I'm sure we could find an open one, open park. Right. But yeah, we'll have to take a have to take it a task. You got a big, sur- I mean, bro. Good luck with that. You're an athletic looking dude. I'm just gonna say, I got all right. Yeah, you know, you, you can be the favorite. What's the strongest part of your game? I feel like you're a good volleyer. Like you come to net and it's automatic it's point. Left handed. So I'm like a. Do you know USTA ratings? I'm almost a four five. I'm like a high four oh, So you have it. You have a rating. Okay, you probably would beat me then. I play a lot of tennis. Uh, I'm left handed. Really big forehand, pretty big serve, and I can place it and move it. 
slice backhand, hit a lot of drop shots, and I'm really fast. I, I've been trying to dub myself Fat Alcaraz because I move <laughs> a lot quicker than I look. And he I gets a lot to of drop absolutely shots. everything. Yeah, no, okay, the way you're talking it, you've played a lot. You actually have a, a rating, a USTA rating, which <laughs> well, means play you play other players who are serious. Yeah, you probably beat me. Maybe, but I'm in, dude. I'd love to play some tennis with you. You know, you and I could have some harmony on the tennis court in a way that maybe maybe Tom Brady doesn't have with, with Giselle off the football field. I, I feel a little dirty. I do. It feels a little gross talking about people's personal lives, and it's always a distinction and a line that I've drawn in the coverage that I've had. When I was crushing LeBron every day and seeing him every day in Miami, I never wrote about his mother. I thought it was unfair. I've used that as an example before, and some, some other reporters did the reverse. Wouldn't criticize LeBron the player, but would go after his family. I think it's, I think it's wrong. But Brady's personal life clearly impacts his professional life. His wife just gave an interview to Elle magazine talking, you know, somewhat candidly, as candidly as, as, as she gets, about the fact she'd like him to be, quote, more present with the kids. More present is, is the quote, end quote. And I think as you listen to Brady talk about his life and, and football, we've, we played some of these clips. Here's another one. You can just, this is on his podcast, I believe, with Jim Gray. Is it Jim Gray who he's talking to, Pat? You can just, I think, I'll let you listen to it, but again, it sounds to me like Tom Brady may be really grappling with the fact this is his last year in the NFL. Tom, so in this day and age of with everything that's going on, is, is perhaps the only time you can find any peace and quiet is when some 320-pound guys are chasing you on the field? I hope that's not the only place I find it because that's a brutal way to go after a long period of time to, to, uh, to have that. But it, there is a simplicity to life when you're in football season because uh, there's a rhythm to it. You know, we play every week. It's a pretty – the schedule's pretty much set. But It's an interesting juxtaposition between his wife telling that magazine, quote, obviously I have my concerns. This is a very violent sport, and I have my children, and I would like him, Brady – to be more president, I have definitely had those conversations with him over and over again. And then later she added, ultimately, I feel that everybody has to make a decision that works for them. He needs to follow his joy, too. And look, this isn't easy. And again, I'm not taking shots. Marriages are really, really complicated and not easy. They're hard. I get it. And there are two competing things here. One is that Giselle, and this Tom Brady's wife, in this case is a super, very famous supermodel, wants her husband to be around and be present. They've got all the money in the world, and they can certainly do that. And the other, Tom Brady loves football. And unlike a lot of my buddies who love their jobs and love what, and I love what I do for a living, there's a shelf life on Tom Brady's ability to do it. He's pushed as far past the beyond the boundaries that we thought were possible. And he probably, in his own mind's eye, chasing, following his joy, as his wife put it, wants to play as long as he can because when it's gone, it's gone forever, and he feels like his family will always be there. It's a tough spot. Pat, I'll just say this. I have tried really hard not to predict Tom Brady's, the end of Brady's career since riding him off after the Giants beat him in the Super Bowl 38 years ago or whatever it was in an ill-fated column. It, it feels like it's more likely Brady's done after this year than he's back, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, the way that you had his absence for the 11 days, which was before that interview that Giselle did, by the way, which yeah. now makes even more sense. You're right. That, like, she's really putting the hooks in on him. Like, hey, you, uh, you're you done. I don't care. I'm pulling the plug at some point. I'll do it. Uh, and that, you know, they basically there was reported that they just went to a, uh, you know, resort in the Bahamas to spend some family time. Like, it's getting more and more so that his personal life, his family life, this after football life that first we, we had no idea it was going to happen for so long. Seems like it's right here in front of him, 
and it, yeah, it's definitely uh, putting some stress on him. And to be fair to her, it's not if he played baseball, if he played tennis, if he played golf, whatever, basketball, there'd be the same issues. She's been pretty open about the fact that she's worried that he's going to have issues that some football players have had, cognitively speaking, from just the and not just not just concussion issues. That's there, but there are guys that played the game who who have their the use of their minds whose whose legs don't work, whose knees don't work. I mean, you talk about tennis, and I won't name drop too much. I won't name drop at all. But I play against. I live in L.A., so I play against guys that played professional sports, and a lot of those NFL guys that you would know that I played against, Pat, who are great athletes, can't move. Because they've had two knees replaced, and so I, I get, I get where they're both coming from. I just whatever happens, and in their personal life is their personal life. I hope Brady gets to end it on his terms professionally. I, I just, I hope, and this is an advantage of maybe listening to his wife. Not that it's my business and their marriage. I'd rather see Tom Brady leave as a really good player than the way Jordan did, the way a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys leave the game where it's way, way too late. And that expiration date is hit. Uh, great work by Pat Boyle. Thank you, Pat, for filling in for D-Cells. The producer today did a hell of a job. Thank you to Andrew Bogish. Thank you to the Doddfather, Dennis Dodd. My name is Bill Ryder. This show is Ryder Than You. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.